Good morning and welcome to the Greenfield Baptist Sermons Podcast. Each week we will be uploading the focus scripture and sermon from Greenfield Baptist Church in Northeast Pennsylvania. Thank you for joining us. We're excited to uh, make this our new normal, at least normal for a, a small bit later. I have a few things I do want to share with you announcement-wise. I want to encourage you to continue to encourage others. I keep hearing stories of people making phone calls, getting cards. We've been getting a bunch of cards. Thank you for that. Um, All kinds of things going on um, behind the scenes. Uh, People doing Zoom meetings and uh, FaceTime and uh, long distance uh, talking and whatever's going on. I encourage you to continue that. Thank you for those who are doing errands and running people from place to place. Um, we're still uh, accomplishing the things that need to be done, and I am thankful for that. Uh, I also want to make mention, I talked to uh, Jim King and, uh, about the food pantry. The food pantry is doing well. I encourage you to continue to uh, pick up some extras, and you can drop them off Monday through Friday, uh, 10 to 11 and 1 to 2. Uh, you don't even have to get out of your car. Uh, there'll be someone there to grab your, the stuff you need. Jim is very encouraged by the amount of Uh, things coming in, uh, dry foods, canned goods, uh, those kind of things. Um, They're having a hard time getting um, big amounts of anything, so that helps. He says they're taking in and and giving back out. If you have food needs, let us know or the Northeast Pantry know. They um, will definitely meet those needs. Um, That's pretty exciting that God has continued to work in that. I saw some pictures that, uh, that the food pantry just got a couple big truckloads of things. Um, it's good to see uh, God's hand in all of that. Um, I'm told that uh, that dona- donations are up. So keep that going. Uh, that's encouraging. I do want to make mention that today is James and Rebecca Van Eerden's uh, anniversary. So happy anniversary to them. Uh, that's exciting. Uh, so as we prepare our hearts this morning, I'd like to encourage you uh, as you uh, sit uh, in contemplation and uh, sing the song as it comes in your name. We'll see how uh, God leads in that. Let's uh, let's prepare our hearts uh, for worship. This morning's scripture is from the passage or uh, from uh, John chapter twenty-one, one through fourteen. You may remember that we've been talking about the rest of the story. What happened after Jesus rose from the grave? That's a pretty cool story, but a lot of other things happened. And it reminds us of what we are called to do. So let's read uh, John chapter 21, 1 through 14. Afterward, Jesus appeared again to his disciples by the Sea of Galilee. It happened this way. Simon Peter, Thomas, also known as Didymus, Nathaniel from the Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two other disciples were there together. By the way, that's seven disciples, just a heads up. I'm going out to fish, Simon Peter told them, and when they said, and then they said, we'll go with you. So they went out and got into the boat, and that night they caught nothing. Early the next morning, Jesus stood by on the shore, but the disciples did not realize that it was Jesus. He called out to them, friends, haven't you any fish? No, they answered. He said, 
Throw your net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. When they did, they were unable to haul the net because of the large number of fish. Then the disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, It is the Lord. As soon as Simon Peter heard him say, It is the Lord, he wrapped his outer garment around him, for he had taken it off, and he jumped into the water. The other disciples followed in the boat, towing the net full of fish, for they were not far from shore, about a hundred yards. When they landed, they saw a fire of burning coals. There were fish on it and some bread. Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish you have just caught. So Simon Peter climbed back into the boat and dragged the net ashore. It was full of large fish, 153. But even with so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. None of the disciples dared ask him, who are you? For they knew it was the Lord. Jesus came and took bread and he gave it to them and did the same with the fish. This is now, this was now the third time Jesus appeared to his disciples after he was raised from the dead. Let's pray. Lord God, we come to you this morning. We are thankful to be together uh, through the screen. Thankful, Lord, that uh, you have continued to provide for us and take care of us, uh, take care of our needs. Lord, we thank you that you have uh, kept us safe and, Lord, have uh, continued to supply our needs. Lord, we ask that as we look at your word this morning that you would remind us how good you are to us. Lord, that we would remind ourselves of the goodness that you have been in our lives. And Lord, that you have continued to take care of us. There are those moments in our life when we feel maybe that, uh, that we have walked away or that you aren't there. And Lord, I wonder if that's how the disciples felt that day, that, if you, weren't, that you weren't there and yet you showed up on the scene. Lord, I pray that you would open our eyes and our hearts and our ears that we might recognize your hand in our life. That, Lord, we would recognize that you are continuing to work in and around us. That even in the midst of dark and hard times, when things aren't going as well as planned, that we can count on you. Lord, thank you for your love of us. Thank you that you keep working with us. And that in spite of us, you love us. In your name we pray. Amen. So this morning we're going to talk about another piece of the rest of the story. I, I got You have to admit that Jesus raising from the dead, coming out of the grave, is a pretty impressive story. I mean, I don't know but about you, but if I was ever a part of something like that, I would be pretty excited to share that story for the rest of my life. It would be one of those like life-altering moments, uh, something that I was a part of. And you know we have those stories in our lives where we have uh, had those moments where they're life-altering, like we met the president. I can remember my kids uh, when they were little, we were, uh, happened to be president, the younger President Bush um, flew into Erie and my kids were just little. and. And when they, we flew in, somehow we had tickets to see him and he wasn't even the president. And, and those were life-altering moments because 
Even now, our kids remember seeing the president before he was the president. We have those moments in our life where our lives have been altered in certain ways by something that has happened to us or something that we've been a part of. That happens. This moment in the disciples' life is a bit different in that it's uh, maybe a bit darker. That feeling of losing something or someone very important in your life. This was a loved friend. This was a friend they had spent three plus years with together, working side by side, day in, day out, working from city to city, walking from place to place. These, these men spent their 24-7, 365 with Jesus, and now he was no longer with them. And that chapter seems to be over in their lives. And yet these men were still young men, still men who had responsibilities, who needed to make a living, young men who needed a, to have a job and to earn some kind of living to subside. And they did what any man would do, any person who had a need would do. We don't really get a sense of what is running through their minds at this point, but we do know that Peter and his personality um, from all of the other stories reminds us that he was kind of a forceful, driven guy, kind of was sometimes in your face, and you might call him even arrogant at times. Uh, but he was kind of a leader. And I, I'm willing to bet that Peter was still struggling with some of the things and some of his actions that were going on um, that had happened and really um, I'm not so sure that he probably wasn't uh, feeling guilty for his actions uh, in the death of Jesus and that he hadn't got over that yet. Um, and so when they show up in Galilee, they're back at home. They're back on their old stomping grounds. This is where they grew up. They lived there. And, um, and at some point, Peter has had enough of pouting, sitting around doing uh, what he's doing. And he says, I'm going fishing. I'm going to go fishing. If you guys want to go with me, you're more than welcome to go. But I'm going fishing. I don't get a sense that Peter asked, hey, you guys want to go fishing? I'm, I'm thinking Peter's like, I'm going fishing if I'm going fishing by myself. I'm going to get in this boat and I'm going to go fishing. It's like moving forward after this difficult moment in, their life, in his life. Like forging forward. I, I can't help but thinking about the moments when, um, when someone loses a job or someone gets a devastating call of a cancer diagnosis or somebody um, walks through the most painful moment in their life. For a time, they're stuck. They're devastated. They're crushed. But at some point, they are forced to forge forward. They're forced to take that next step. It may be a bit ugly. It may feel like they're crawling. It may be, uh, feel like it's just a baby step. But at some point, there's this point where they must move forward. And I think that's where Peter was. I think Peter was struggling with how he had responded. And yet, he knew he needed to move forward. And so he says, I'm going to go fishing. If you guys want to go, let's go. I don't know about you, but 
Um, some, some of us get stuck in the moment of our moral or spiritual failure. Some of us get in those moments where we have made a mistake and we aren't able to walk away from that. We aren't able to forgive ourselves at the end of the day. And for some of us, we even wear that scarlet letter. We wear that scarlet letter on our, as a banner on our chest that we have failed God. That we have made a mistake and that we will pay for it for the rest of our life. I don't think that's what God wants for us. Uh, I wonder if that's what was going on with Peter in this passage early on. If he wasn't really struggling with what he had done and how he had responded. I want to read you a scripture from Psalm 103. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to ask you that if you're struggling with being stuck in something that you have failed God at this morning, I'm going to ask you to grab a pen and write this scripture down. And not only write it down, but read this scripture, memorize this scripture. Because I think um, sometimes in our faith, we're believers, but we get so hung up on a failure that we can never get past it. And it becomes who we are. And I don't believe that anywhere in Scripture is that, is that is the idea that God has for us. So Psalm 103, chapter, uh, verse 10 through 13, talks about how God treats us. It says, He does not treat us as our sins deserve, or repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is His love for those who fear Him. As far as the east is from the west, so far as he removed our transgression from us. As, as a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. For he knows how we are formed. He remembers that we are dust. And still he loves us. That scripture is Psalm 103, 10 through 13. I encourage you that if you're stuck this morning with a failure or an area of your life that you just can't get past, I encourage you to take that passage and memorize it. Write it down. Put it on your uh, refrigerator. Put it on, on the face of your phone. Somewhere where you can be reminded that God doesn't want us to live in that failure. He wants us to move forward. See, our knee-jerk reaction is, I have messed it up and I'm going to live in that and let me wallow in that. But at some point, you have to get up. And at some point, you have to get back on the horse. And at some point, you have to get back to life. Hopefully we learn from that mistake and we don't make it again. But at some point we have to go fishing. And Peter says, listen, I'm going fishing because at some point I have to get back on that horse. I have to find a bit of normal in my life. I don't know about you, but I think a lot of us are struggling to find normal in our life 
in this COVID time. We've gotten past the initial shock of what's going on and, and the fear factor of I could die and the fear factor of our loved ones um, getting sick. We've gotten past most of that. And now we're getting to the point where we're trying to find normal. Uh, one of the things that I think uh, I find really interesting um, is the push for, uh, for takeout. We can't go to a restaurant. We can't go sit in a restaurant together anymore at this point. Hopefully soon we will. But one of the things that um, I've, I've listened and I watch the news and I, I watch uh, advertisements, the push is for takeout, to find some of that normal somehow in the abnormal. And, you know, we're, we're saying, well, let's uh, support our local businesses. Absolutely. But I think more than anything that that going out to eat has become a normal part of our lives on a, at least a weekly or uh, a couple of times a week uh, opportunity uh, under under normal circumstances. And so um, it's funny how food works that way. Uh, and so we have made it a point, and the restaurants have made it a point, uh, to find ways that we can uh, actually get food uh, that would that tastes just like the food we would sit in a restaurant and eat. And even though we can't eat it at the restaurant, we can eat it at home. Um, I, I'm hearing of these stories where you pay online and you can go and it'll be on a table and you pick up your food. It's still warm. You take it home and you can eat some semblance of normal. Uh, in a very abnormal moment in our life. The disciples had returned to normal, or at least their normal uh, stomping grounds. And they were going back to some kind of normal. And you may remember that uh, back in uh, Matthew chapter 4, 18 through 22, um, this was where they lived. This is where Jesus found them in the first place. Uh, it says, while walking by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, uh, which is Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net. They were fishermen. And he said to them, come, follow me. I will make you fishers of men. Now, if this story ended right here and we put a nice little bow on it, are these men fishers of men? Well, maybe. The good thing is, this isn't the rest of the story. Next week we'll talk about part two of John 21, where Jesus addresses the rest of that story. So they have gone back to this normal. They're, they're meeting in Galilee. And uh, when Jesus raised from the dead, uh, he told um, them to tell the disciples to meet him in Galilee. I wonder if they didn't have a sense of, if we go back home, Jesus' words were to meet me in Galilee. If we get back to Galilee, maybe we will find him there. For whatever reason, they went fishing. And it went like a normal fishing day can go. If you've ever had a fishing pole in your hand, if you've ever been on the water, you know how it can go. No fish. That says they fished all night with no luck. Obviously no bites. They didn't have any bites. And I don't know about you, but when I'm not catching fish and someone asks me, 
hey, did you catch any fish? My first response is, uh, no, and I would probably be a bit short with them. And when they hear this voice that says, oh, hey, try the other side of the boat. Well, you and I both know that they're on a boat not that big, that the water on the left side and the water on the right side aren't very far apart, that there's not like this huge chasm of space between the left side and the right side. And yet I have been on those boats. Uh, one time we used to do a lot of Lake Pleasant fishing, uh, which is uh, no motors. And so we would take the kids out on rowboats and canoes and um, we would catch trout because you can catch trout out there. And what we would do is we'd set a, a lantern over the water and it would bring the bait fish and the little fish would come up and then the trout would kind of be around that area and we'd be able to catch fish. But one of the things that, that I learned really early on was that there were no guarantees in life. Sometimes we would go out there and we would catch them. One night we went out there and there was enough of us that we caught 30 fish between the group of us. Um, there were a bunch of the little guys and, a couple, and some adults on multiple boats and we caught all these fish. But other times we would go out and we would we would drop our line down and there would be nothing to catch. No fish at all. No matter what we did, no matter what, we loved to use power bait. So we would put power bait on and uh, sink it to the bottom and just bring it up from the bo bottom about a foot. But there were just some nights when nothing was, was uh, biting. Or there were moments when we would sit out there after dark and we would go two hours with nothing, no bites. And then all of a sudden, like someone turned a light switch on teaching and we would start catching fish and at that time you couldn't keep the pole in the water the the lure in the water you'd be catching fish so fast but just like it turned on it could turn off and i'm not exactly sure what happens here i'm pretty sure there's a pretty cool miracle that's going on and jesus says listen put it on the other side put your net on the other side and see what happens and I appreciate that the disciples were willing um, to listen when Jesus spoke into their lives. When he spoke, they heard. Um, it would have been just as easy to say, uh, we haven't caught any fish and obviously we're not going to catch any and we're going to come in and we're not going to take any fish for the day. But rather than that, as soon as they put their net in, they recognize that it's Jesus. And they recognize his voice. They hear his voice and they remember. John says, hey, it's the Lord. And they know it's him. And they hear his voice and they see his actions. They know that, that casting that net on the other side is a God moment in their life. I don't know who made the... the uh, the statement, the word God moments. I don't know if you know what those are. I don't know if you ever um, have heard that. I make no claim to that statement, but it's really seeing God working in the ordinary of our life. Finding those times when, when we can't make any other reason or any other excuse, um, it's only God. And those are what I like to call God moments. Someone told me that, I appreciate that. I wanna share with you this morning uh, a God moment that's happened here in the last um, probably about a week ago. Um, so we have, um, obviously things are a little bit tighter here at the church and um, finances for everybody in the world have been tight. And so 
Um, it was really cool to get a text from someone who said, hey, I slid some money under the, the office door. Um, use it to meet someone's need. And so I, I put that in my, I, I told them, listen, I'm going to put it in the office. Uh, I'm going to put it in my drawer. And uh, when that need comes, God usually has a need out there. And sometimes I get the money first and sometimes I get the need first. And so I put it in there and I closed the thing and nothing happened for a week. And the next week I got a text, hey, there's some money under the office uh, door. And I said, okay, thank you. And I put it together. And so I had these two envelopes. One I opened to, just to see what was in it. Uh, so I knew how much was there. And the other one I didn't even open. I just left it. I didn't need it. So we didn't even touch it. And so the very next day I get a phone call from a deacon. And this deacon says, hey, I got a, uh, this lady with a furnace issue. She needs to get some parts. Um, can we, can we help her? And absolutely, we were like, yes, we can help her for sure. Um, and I said, hey, there's an envelope in my drawer. Use that, and we'll use whatever's in there. And if we need more, we'll ask the uh, deacon fund if we need to do that. And I get a phone call like the next day, and it's like, hey, we had the furnace checked, and the problem is the very main part of the furnace, uh, I think he called it the heat exchanger, is broken, and there's no fixing that part. He said, we're going to need a whole new furnace. And he said, hey, I'm working on uh, a couple different places to get the funds. Uh, it's going to be a pretty expensive uh, fix, but we're going to get the funds to get the furnace and get it put in and all those pieces so that this lady has heat. It's not warm yet. And so he calls me back and he says, hey, I'm this much short. And I said, okay. I said, I don't really know what's in the envelopes. I know what's in one envelope but I don't know if it's what's in the other envelope. I'm guessing it's the same as what's in the first envelope. And I said, hey, I'm just gonna let you know right now, I don't know if there's enough money to cover uh, that need. Um, I, I just know I got two envelopes and you're welcome to it. Um, and so we have this moment when, uh, when he shows up and we, we literally take the envelopes and we count the money out. And we have a need of uh, a certain amount. And I don't, believe or I didn't know how much was in there so I didn't know that there was going to be that much I expected we would have to go somewhere else and it felt like a, a loaves and fishes kind of moment like God was working a miracle right in our midst because as I counted the money he told me what he needed and I just kept counting and the pile just kept staying there and I, I kept another 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 and he said okay that's all I need that's what I need right there and I looked at him and he looked at me and I had a uh I still had a wad in my hand and I put it back in the envelope and I just smiled. And when he left, I, could, I got overwhelmed because it was a God moment. It was a moment when God showed up in his power and made and supplied the need uh, of this situation. And I think that's what's going on here in this passage. They're not catching any fish until God shows up. And when he shows up, they have a moment. And as soon as they see and recognize that this God moment is happening, they recognize that it's Jesus on the shore. And it's so cool to watch how he works in our lives that way. I'll encourage you to, to really take a few moments. I haven't forgotten. And, uh, I hope you haven't forgotten to continue to write 
those moments when God's goodness shows up in the middle of this. Put it on a piece of paper, put it inside your Bible, and prepare to bring it back to service in the sanctuary when we get back together. It won't be that long. Keep track of those things, those God moments in your life. And then when God shows up, I love this part of the passage, when God shows up, he doesn't just supply their needs. He doesn't give them just enough fish for breakfast. He gives them so many fish that they have to count them out and that scripture has to record the number. Let's just think for a minute. There's seven disciples in Jesus. Even if they were to eat two fish a piece, Remember, there's fish and bread. Even if they were to eat two fish apiece, that would only equal 16 fish. And God shows up and gives them 153 fish. About tenfold, about 10 times what they really needed uh, to meet their needs is what God gave them uh, in this passage. And I think if we'll let God uh, work in our lives, he shows up very similarly in our own lives. I was just talking to someone about tithing and, um, and they said, I just can't believe the difference it makes in my life. And, I, and I've always said, I can't help uh, to do the math of tithing. But I know this, being faithful in tithing makes a difference uh, in my finances in a positive way. It's not that I can equal it all up and that I can figure it all out. It's that God has already figured it out. So the rest of the story is this. Jesus speaks into the lives of those disciples when he calls out to them. And he speaks into our lives as well. He supplies their needs over and above. And finally, he feeds their souls. Did you see that he says, come, have breakfast with me. Come sit down and let's eat together. He feeds their souls. And the next, in part two uh, next week, as we look at that passage, we're going to look at what he asks his disciples to do with the rest of the story. I want to share with you uh, an idea that has really blown my mind as of late. Uh, and I don't know if you've thought much about uh, adoption, the idea of being adopted. It's really a process of legally making uh, someone uh, your own or allowing someone to be a part of your family. So adoption is so special for a couple of reasons. It's about a relationship over genealogy. See, under normal circumstances, the only way you could be royalty, the only way you can be the, the king's kid is being born into it. And I don't know about you, but I haven't figured out how to be born into anything. I was born and I am who I am, right? I didn't get to pick royalty or um, lower middle class. Or I didn't get to pick any of those things. I was born who I was. But adoption is so cool because adoption takes um, and makes you royalty, even though you may not have been born royalty. It makes you a part of the family. 
It's better than genealogy. It's better than the idea that you were born into something. Being adopted into something means that you are now apart where you might not have been apart before. Jesus wants you to be a part of his family. He wants to adopt you. And the coolest part is that his adoption process is really simple. He says, come to me all who, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. He says, listen, come to me and ask me to be adopted if you want to be adopted into my life, into my way, into my family. He says, I will no longer call you servants or slaves in uh, Galatians 4, 7. He says, I'm not going to call you my servant, my worker anymore but I'm gonna call you my friend, my child, my son, my daughter. Adoption takes us from being on the outside to being on the inside. And Jesus has called us to that. See, because the rest of the story is this, that his whole goal in coming and living a perfect life, in going to the cross, in sharing his life with the disciples, and raising from the dead and being uh, on this earth for 30 plus years was this. His desire was to show us what adoption looked like and to encourage us to be a part of his family. His desire is for you to be adopted into his family. Not just for eternity after we die, but for eternity that begins today. So his desire is that we would be a part of his family, that we would begin even today to be a part of him. And so I encourage you to think about whether you would like to be adopted into Jesus's family today. Let's pray. Lord God, thank you for today. Thank you for your word. Thank you for this story. Uh, what a great story it is. It's a, it's a great fish story, but it's, it's also a story of the way that you worked in and around um, your people. That, Lord, you spoke to them and they heard your voice. That you cared for them and took care of their needs. That you fed them and took care of their souls. Lord, I pray that as we spend time looking at this passage, contemplating the, the ideas of being adopted, that Lord, those disciples were adopted into your family. And we too, believers in Christ, are adopted into your family. And Lord, I pray this morning for anyone who hasn't uh, experienced that adoption in their own life that you would call them unto your own today. Lord, I pray for those who are stuck in their spiritual or moral or whatever uh, failures that Peter, like Peter would have, a uh, good chance that Peter might have been at the beginning of this passage. I pray, Lord, that you would remind them that as far as the east is from the west, you have taken that from them. Lord, may they live a life that looks different because they are forgiven. May they live a life, Lord, that uh, is one that is uh, lived in power 
and in strength and in reflection of your love. In your name we pray. Amen.